the last couple of weeks we have, in moving on through uh, the 50s chapters of Isaiah, moved from a focus on uh, the fourth of the servant songs at the end of Isaiah 52 through 53 for Holy Week and Easter, now in Isaiah 54, and we return to the closing verses of Isaiah 54 again today paired with uh, this message, culture wars, persecution, spiritual conflict, peacemakers will win. Let me repeat that. Culture wars? Yeah. Persecution? Yeah. But peacemakers will win. Let's turn to God's word first to Isaiah 54. Picking up on this message about God's covenant of God's peace for Zion. Zion's a way of talking about the people of God, the true people of God, the true Israel, to be restored under the work of the suffering servant, and then ultimately the church as the true bride of Christ, the true heavenly Jerusalem. So God is talking about this through Isaiah, picking up at verse 10 of Isaiah 54. For the mountains made apart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love, my chesed shall not depart from you. And the covenant of my peace, remember that's what that literally says there. God says the covenant of my peace shall not be removed, says I am, says the Lord, who has mercies, who has compassion on you. O afflicted one, remember this is a message to the barren woman who's now going to have all kinds of children. O afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted, behold, I will set your stones in antinomy and lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of agate and your gates of carbuncles and all your walls of precious stones. Beautiful. Verse 13, most beautiful of all. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, shall be discipled by the Lord himself. And great shall be the peace, the shalom of your children. In righteousness, you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. And from terror, it shall not come near to you. If anyone stirs up strife, it is not from me. Whoever stirs up strife with you shall fall because of you. Behold, I have created the smith who blows the fire of coals and who produces a weapon for its purpose. I have also created the ravager to destroy. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. And you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of I am, of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness, literally the word here is righteousness, sedica, their righteousness is from me, declares the Lord. And then over to Jesus' preaching in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 9 through 12. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, children of God, sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they also persecuted the prophets who were before you. And then to Jesus' teaching in the upper room discourse on the night before his crucifixion. To John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus concludes this teaching, moving to the high priestly prayer, saying this, John 16, 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. So, culture wars. Yeah, definitely. Culture wars driving all kinds of politics and economics and business practices and declarations right now. What do you think? Anybody been watching the news the last few years, the last few weeks? Culture wars, absolutely. Scorched earth politics. We are going to drive this through no matter what. And we are going to spin it so that you look bad if you oppose it. Scorched earth politics. What do you think? Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Knee jerk reactions and heavily emotional drama king or queen responses to anything that rubs you the wrong way. That going on right now? Yes, absolutely. And how's that social media working for us, right? The technology is going to bring us all together. We'll all be able to communicate really well together. And there will be peace and tranquility and nirvana forever and ever. Amen, right? No, we talked about this. You can go back to my sermon last week. I talked about this pretty extensively. Connect that sermon with this sermon on Isaiah 54 because it all relates, right? It's not working really well. Friends and neighbors are divided against each other. And uh, there are a lot of things we can't talk about without getting into a fight nowadays, it seems like right? We are living in an age of overwhelming spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. So what are we supposed to do? Arm ourselves heavily with machine guns? Uh, be the baddest and meanest people on social media? Is that Jesus's game plan for us? No. Totally opposite of that. Jesus calls us to be different, to be distinctively, dramatically different, and to battle differently. Jesus says in that part of the Sermon on the Mount that some of us are tempted in our flesh to say, well, that's nice and fluff and poetic, but after all, we all know we can't do that anyway, so just kind of listen to it for a minute, and let's move on to what we're interested in. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they're the ones who will be called the sons of God, the children of God. You know that to be saved, to be born again, you're a child of God, right? 
Does anybody watching or here in person want to be a child of God? Yeah, right? Okay, so now do we create that and justify that based on our peacemaking effort? No, it's the other way around, okay? But it's the other way around. When we are saved, when we are born anew in the spirit of the peacemaker, we become peacemakers, okay? And flip the coin, if you're not doing much peacemaking, you better check your relationship with Jesus. That's part of the message today. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Anybody interested in heaven? Well, a sure, really good sign that you're on your way to heavenly communion with Jesus is you are persecuted for Jesus' namesake. Um, now, you could say, well, yeah, that's the Beatitudes. We kind of listen to those, but we all know that's a really high bar, and Jesus is the only one who actually hits that bar, so thank God for Jesus, right? And Let's move on. No, no, no. Jesus turns around and gets really direct and detailed in his commands to us in the Sermon on the Mount and throughout the rest of his ministry and teaching, and in fact, with all that the New Testament is saying to us. Jesus goes on in that very famous sermon to say this, uh, Matthew 5, 38 and 39. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. In these antitheses, Jesus is laying on hard and heavy to you and me, my friend. You've heard it said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, but here's the antithesis. I say to you this, Jesus says, do not resist the one who is evil. Wait a minute, let me repeat that. This is a command from your Lord Jesus. Do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, you've heard this one before, right? Turn to him the other cheek also. How are we doing on that? Moving on. Verses 43 through 45, Matthew 5. You have heard it said, another antithesis here. You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I, Jesus, your Lord, your Savior, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Well, why, Jesus? So that, he continues, this is Jesus now, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Again, we don't produce the sonship through our actions, but if we are sons and daughters of the Lord, this is the way we live and act and think and do. For he makes his son, the father does, rise on the evil and the good. He's good to everybody. Wait a minute, he doesn't like parcel this out? No, no, no. Common grace is awesome, and it's amazing, and if we're children of him, we follow it. So, uh, how are we going to be different? Well, let me give you three points of reference on this sermon today. First of all, we need to step back before we're going to be different. We must believe differently. Number one, believe differently. Number two, here's back to the center here. We are to be different. We are to be Jesus' disciples. Not that guy who says all those things that, yeah, that's just the way I was feeling and I'm going to follow him. No, no, no. You are Jesus's disciple. And third, not only be different, be Jesus's disciples, but also bless and be blessed differently. You live an entirely different universe of blessing when you're with Jesus. 
Now, we're in spring season, and spring season is a season of planting. I've seen a number of you are doing things in your yards and your gardens right now. If I were to take a plastic orange tree or lemon tree and stick it in a big pot that's full of styrofoam and put water in the styrofoam, how much lemon production or orange production is there going to be? What do you think? But it looks good. I could take a photo and stick it on Facebook and everybody would say, you're an awesome citrus producer, Martin. That's amazing that you were able to produce that tree. Is it real or fake? Does it have fruit or not? No fruit. It's totally bogus. It's fake. So also, we talked about this last Sunday. Here we are again today. There's a lot of fake peace promises going around. Well, if we can just all learn to get along, we can just do this or that, or maybe just kind of cave on this issue because that's the way the culture is going. So, no, 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 that's fake peace. That is fake peace. That's a bogus tree without any fruit that comes from God. Um, peace and saying peace to people and giving blessings to people including even a lot of so-called Christians who bless other people. You know, they're not real blessings. They're just words, right? So in the Bible, peace, shalom, is always integrally connected with God's justice and righteousness. Justice and righteousness. In this great passage we've been digging into the last few Sundays that flows from the ultimate righteousness of the servant, played out, prophesied in Isaiah 53. He was pierced for our transgressions. On him was laid the chastisement of, him, of us all. And not like the false prophets that we read from last week that Jeremiah and Ezekiel are talking about. People who say, oh, you're going to be healed really easily and everything's going to work out just fine. Don't worry, sugar. No, no, no. To be really healed? He had to be totally wounded for us. We're not talking about a Band-Aid and telling you the cancer's okay. We're talking about real chastisement on him. By his wounds, we are healed. And then what we saw with the majestic conclusion of the servant song in Isaiah 53 was it connected back to the, the prelude back at the end of Isaiah 52 that he is high and exalted in God and he will reign and he will have multiple children, countless children, even though he died, even though he was never married on earth. And all these children then bring forth the good news to Zion, right? to the church, to the barren mother. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. You're going to have wonderful children. Everything's going to be beautiful. And the key to the beauty will be the righteousness of God as your foundation that the servant has laid for you. Okay. And your children will be discipled in this righteousness that comes from God. Righteousness. Let's talk about that for a minute. So peace and righteousness go hand in hand in God's justice. What is righteousness? Just a fancy million-dollar word? Another kind of word like peace that doesn't mean anything? Is it just some nice columns that we stick in a church and say, there's righteousness? No. 
It's in you and in your life if you're in Christ. And what is righteousness? Here's a nutshell. Righteousness is not some column, not something that looks good. Righteousness is when the children of God disadvantage themselves to advance the salvation of others. So what's the opposite of righteousness? Wickedness. What is wickedness? When we disadvantage others to advance ourselves. Did you hear that? That's wickedness. Wickedness is disadvantaging others to advance myself. Righteousness is disadvantaging myself to advance God's cause for others. So real peace is totally connected with, united with righteousness. And we see that righteousness ultimately and completely given to us through the servant Jesus and through the cross. Okay? And we're supposed to be following him. If you tell me, that sounds a lot like the high level of love that we read in the Bible, like chesed in the Old Testament, like agape in the New Testament, I'd say, yes, they go together, right? Self-giving. And if you say, I'm not sure I can live up to that, I will say, amen, brother, sister. That's key to the gospel. You need a new heart, a new heart that comes from the Lord himself, reshaping you from the inside out. So that brings us back to our three main points of reference here. First of all, we are called to believe differently, to seek a different peace. We believe as Christians in a different peace and in a different salvation. Wait a minute. I thought my salvation comes if my political party wins all the offices and if we frame this country or this world based upon what my party says or what my group says or the way I want it to be. That's salvation. That's world peace. That's nirvana. No, that's not your gospel. That's not your salvation. Your salvation comes from the Lord. So again, Isaiah 54, 16 and 17, Behold, the Lord says, I have created the smith who blows the fire of coals and produces the weapon for its purpose. I've also created the ravager to destroy. I created the nuclear scientist in Iran. I created this or that. They're all under me. But know this, and this is the turn. Now, at this point in Isaiah, we'll come back to this, but this is the turn. No more is the Lord going to use other nations to bring his judgment ultimately on Zion or the church. There will be persecution. There'll be a lot of persecution. But ultimately, the Lord is always going to bring us through one way or another. A lot of us may die, but God will bring us through to victory. So what he says is this. In that context, verse gets taken out of context a lot. This is the context of this verse. 17, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. It's not going to ultimately succeed. And you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness their righteousness. Word here is sedeca. ESV has vindication, but it, and that's fine, but it ultimately means God's righteousness, first and last. And their righteousness comes from me, says the Lord. So the Beatitudes. We're talking about the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes come from someone named Jesus. In the great messianic prophecies of Jesus, Jesus has various titles. For instance, Isaiah, our key book for this year. Isaiah 9. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, 
mighty God, everlasting Father, and what is the pinnacle? What's the great climactic title for him? Prince of hatred and warfare? Prince of, I'm going to get it my way, and you better shut up? Prince of what? Shalom, peace. Prince of peace. So, when Jesus is confronted, for instance, by Pilate, what does Jesus say about his kingdom? My kingdom is not of this world. This is in John 18, 36. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to deliver me from the Jews. But as it is, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. I don't operate the way you guys do. My power is not your power. My battle plan is not your battle plan. My blessings, yours will die out, Rome. Yours will die out, any empire, any nation of this world. But mine lasts forever. So we are called to seek a different kind of peace, a different salvation. Jesus tells us, I've said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. You're not going to have peace from the way you play it out in the world. But in me, you will have peace. Um, the world is going to bring you tribulation. Wait a minute, I thought the deal I made with you, Jesus, is you zap me out before any tribulation comes. No, in the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So let us be really clear on this. This is not an exemption from trouble and hardship and even death for the church and members of the church. But ultimately, the church will be in the Lord forever. We are not exempt from trouble or death. We're not called to be naive about this. I just wish he had zapped me out. No, you wish, you pray that you would be bold in the face of persecution. If you want to be a biblical Christian. There is no guarantee of short-term success. I'm giving you the fine print, and it's in bold print in the New Testament. It's not hidden anywhere. And let's be realistic about the way this plays out. Will we always be a raging success with our peacemaking if we just double down and pray a little bit harder? No. Paul says this, Romans 12. We'll come back to Romans 12. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Did you hear that? <laughs> if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceable with all peaceably with all. So faith is not blind or naive about the world. And in fact, the scripture guarantees it. If you step out and follow Jesus, you will be persecuted. Some of our members periodically find that out. How is your persecution level right now? If you're not being persecuted at all, if everybody's just totally comfortable with whatever you do or say, I want to be brutally honest with you. You're not following Jesus. If you're not encountering persecution, and well, where did you come up with that, Pastor? It's all in the Bible. Let me just give you an example. 2 Timothy 3.12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Let me repeat that. All who desire to live a godly life in Jesus will be persecuted. Jesus says, you're not above your master. John 15, 20, remember the word I spoke to you, Jesus says, also in this last discourse, the teaching before his crucifixion. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. But by the way, on the other side of this, 
If they kept my word, they will keep your word also. In other words, some people are going to respond and be saved, right? Okay? Some people will respond and be saved. Will everybody? No. No. If they persecuted you, they'll persecute me. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. And ultimately, you remember when Paul was persecuting the church, right? Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? <laughs> you're not just killing them, you're killing me. Uh, Matthew 10, 16. This is a key verse for me right now in our wisdom study that in my Sunday school class we're doing in the chapel and also somewhat with our men's study on Tuesday mornings we have here at the church. Matthew 10, 16. Jesus says in sending out his apostles out into the world to be missionaries, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Is Jesus naive? No, he's not naive at all. I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. That's a proverb. That's a proverb. You could say, if you take that seriously, that's giving me a headache, Pastor. How am I going to pull that off? And again, I would say exactly. Yield to the Spirit. Jesus says, wise as serpents, not stupid as worms, not just go, wise as serpents, but gentle as doves. No venom in you. Okay? Wise, but no venom in you. So we're called to believe Jesus, believe his spirit, and ask for the new heart that he brings to all who believe in him. And then, secondly, to be different. Be different. Like I said, we're not disciples of this guy or that gal who, you know, gets us all riled up and says what we want to hear in the midst of cultural conflict. We are disciples of Jesus, and we are to battle differently. When Simon Peter pulls out his sword and cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant, does Jesus say, attaboy? No. Jesus rebukes Simon and says, put back the sword. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And likewise, we're called to speak differently. Our words need to sound a lot different than most of what's going on in 2021 right now. I can tell you that. There's, <laughs> you don't have to be a specialist or theologian to figure that one out. Speak differently. Romans 12 says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Wait a minute, I thought after we got out of the Sermon on the Mount, we didn't have to worry about that. No, it's all through the New Testament. You been cursing anybody lately? Oh man, you need to bring that to the Lord. Getting close to it, bring it to the Lord. And then to act differently. Not pursuing retaliation or vengeance. Um, if it possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is Martin's, says the Lord. No, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Trust in that. Trust in that. Be his disciple. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Now, this is Paul, Apostle Paul. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. Parents, let's teach our children this. But it's hard. I know it's hard. We need Jesus. New heart in his covenant of peace, in God's peace. God's peace. Now, is there spiritual warfare out there? Absolutely. 
but we are supposed to see it differently as well as respond to it differently, prepare for it differently. Ephesians 6, picking up at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Is our fight against other people? Hmm? No. You do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That person is not your true enemy. You've got to understand this. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You've got a different enemy. You need to see the battle totally different. Okay? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, not falsehood, and not over-bloated statements, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. There's that word. Remember what righteousness is. Disadvantaging myself that others might be advanced in Christ. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of what? Vengeance? Gospel of vengeance? No, gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of my latest weapon. No, the sword of the spirit, which is the word. Praying at all times in supplication. Okay? Different way to see, different way to act, different way to respond to the battle. The battle is different than what it seems like. You need spiritual discernment on the battle. And then third, bless and be blessed differently. Be blessed differently. Peter, I haven't turned to Peter yet. Maybe he's going to give me an out on this. Maybe even though Jesus, my Lord, and Paul, and the rest of the New Testament is coming down pretty hard on this message, what does Peter say? 1 Peter 3, 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Give blessing back to evil. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Remember the big picture. Christians, Christian parents, remember the big picture. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. The Prince of Peace has won the victory. And so God calls us to trust in him and trust in the blessings he's going to give. God says the heritage of the children of God is his righteousness and his peace, which he gives us. So, ultimately, um, the Prince of Peace. You remember that Abraham, when he's called, um, two commands in Genesis 12, right? The two commands, go, leave your family, your nation, your, your country, and go to the place I'm going to show you. And then the three promises with that. And then the second command, it's actually a command, you shall be a blessing, okay? And then flowing from that, what? And I will bless everyone who blesses you. And everyone who curses you, you get to curse? No. I'm going to deal with that, God says. I'll deal with everyone who curses you. So, ultimately, we come to this. Trust in the Lord and in his victory through his servant and his son and your Savior, Jesus. A couple final scriptures from Romans, the close of Romans. 1533, the God of peace be with you all. That's a blessing. The God of peace be with you all. And then this, you can miss this one with all the personal notes in Romans 16. 
but I love this. 1620, Romans 1620. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now, that's a direct citation back to Genesis 3.15, okay? And the seed of the woman will crush the serpent. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. I'm going to use that as the benediction today. That is a strong blessing. Believe it and live it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.